and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. Uh, we have a special guest today. We are joined by David Connellan from the Bogeymen uh, podcast and YouTube kind of series. Uh, we're here to talk a golf episode today. Obviously, the British Open was, or the Open, depending on who you ask. That's a pretty hot topic as well these days. Uh, but uh, talk about the recap of that last weekend uh, and some more sort of golf topics uh, that we kind of find interesting. But first of all, David, thank you very much for joining us. How are you? Good. Roasting. Absolutely roasting. Don't know what to make of this. 29 degrees in Donegal. We haven't seen the likes of it in I don't know when. Um, I was out in the golf course this morning doing a bit of practice and it is just brown as can be and it's playing properly, properly fast and firm at the moment. So we, 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 got, a, we got a brief glimpse of it at the weekend. Uh, but we're actually living in, in in this world of fast and hard golf courses around the world, country at the moment. Yeah, it's it, this really suits. You know that fifty year old golfer, the male golfer who carries it a hundred, but then will roll the extra hundred and just kind of scoot on up there by you as well. It's always this is ideal for those guys. Those uh, guys are loving it. Yeah, yeah. Loving it. But David's from the, uh, the Bogeyman, which is yourself and a partner in crime. Do you want to kind of summarize yeah. kind of what the podcast and the YouTube series is about so that anyone listening can kind of get involved? Yeah, so we are the Bogeyman podcast, as you said. Um, Johnny McCann and myself started the podcast in March of last year. We're now the biggest golf podcast in the country. Um, and we also have kind of ventured into a huge amount of YouTube and um, video content. So we are running a series called Battle Golf, where we'll take on a professional or a lead amateur across one of Ireland's top courses and play them in a nine hole match um, with a little bit of a twist in it. I won't give it away. So you can, your listeners can go and have a look. Um, and we also have a travel series called tea times, which is coming up. So we've just back from a trip around Kerry uh, where we had Tralee Dukes and both Bally Bunyan courses, which we'll be profiling uh, towards pretty much towards the, the end of the summer. So that, that'll be coming live kind of mid, uh, mid August. So it's given people a kind of a different view on, what the Irish golf landscape is from from two players who are at kind of different stages in golf. I play on kind of the upper amateur level in Ireland, so the north and that kind of event. And Johnny plays off seven, and he's kind of on this journey to to get his his handicap down as low as he can. And it's um it's something that's just resonating with people, really, to be honest. Well, definitely, yeah. My own uh, personal kind of golf journey, definitely. Uh, as, as uh, my handicap currently at the moment is eight, and trying to get down obviously as low as possible, which is uh, easier said than done. But uh, definitely, uh, it's fun. I've been watching a lot of the content the guys have done over there on, on YouTube and the podcast, and it's definitely well worth taking out because or worth checking out. Um, because I know myself, I, I follow a lot of American kind of golf podcasts and stuff like that. So it's great to see one in Ireland, uh, which is a bit more close to home. Yeah, it, it, it tends to it tends to resonate with people. They see their own courses, they know who we're playing against, they can kind of um sympathize with our woes from time to time. So it makes it makes it makes it um something for, for every for every guy and girl who's looking, to be honest. Exactly. On on the opposite end of the spectrum though, we've seen uh, the the world's best play at Royal St George's over the last uh, last weekend. Uh, Colin Morikawa coming out on top. Uh, by two shots in the end over Spieth, uh, Ram, Ustazen and Fratelli. That was the top five. Um, first of all, David, great to see Lynx Golf back sort of on the TV because, you know, on the PGA Tour and on the European Tour, we don't see it a lot uh, on the calendar, which is unfortunate. And Royal St. George's, which is a course that divides opinion, but nonetheless, Lynx Golf it is. Um, how did you enjoy the, being back on your TV screen? 
I loved it. I like between between the Scottish and there, um, I suppose the the lead into it, which has a significant bearing actually on how the result went, actually, the Scottish Open with with Morikawa in particular. It it's lovely to see it because it's very different. Um, certainly the way the weekend played in Royal St. George's, we don't see that very often. I think probably the last time we would have seen it, obviously, was Port Rush, and then just previous to that was John Ram's victory down in La Hinch. So as you said, we only see it three times a year tops between an Irish event, a Scottish event, and then the open. And it's, it's novel for everyone. People are looking at it. If they haven't seen a lot of golf and they're looking at this burnt out course and they're wondering why is that, that doesn't look right. That's all burnt and Brown and doesn't look as appealing as these nice lush courses you see all the time on TV from, from the U S but the players love it. Uh, the players love the variation of it. Um, it's a special week and it seems to resonate f- strongly with, with the pro field when they, when they come to when it comes to the open you get Ireland benefits from that hugely because normally we'd have a Rolex series in advance of it um, as we did down in the hinge when John Ram won um, and it it just creates a bit of a buzz in in the weeks leading up to it um, did I enjoy it I absolutely loved having it back on um, the course to me sometimes the course can be over, um, over, not overrated, but maybe too much importance placed on how that course looks or how that course plays or, or how maligned it is or how celebrated it is. I think we look at it through rose into glasses with Port Russia in 2019, the whole story around Shane winning at home um, and the course being so highly rated in the world. Um, Royal St. George's wouldn't be anywhere near that in terms of the ratings um, as like who, who's to say what's the best course really but the the fact that it stirred up a test it made it very interesting very scorable the first couple of days you really had to get out hard and, and score heavily first two days and then you had the best players in the world and they were struggling to be under par um, like the next two days, like four under the second day was, or the on the Sunday was, was what really put the the top three ahead of everybody else. Yeah, and you know the the cream rise to the top. You know you've got Marikawa, Speed, Ram, and Ustez, and is your top four, um, who have been in incredible form. John Ram, best player in the world, and kind of showed it again on that Sunday, uh, with his round. Um, Marikawa, in, in in you know specifically. What a you know what a start to his career you know kind of came out of nowhere has won his second major in eight starts which is I think hasn't been done since pre World War Two I think was the stat that was thrown around um I think it's widely accepted now the best iron player in the world and it doesn't seem to be close it's backed up by stats as well how impressed are you by him at someone so young but seems so mature for someone of his age um like I can't tell you how impressed I am by him in with with what he's done like if you look at i believe he's had that's his fifth victory across all tours two majors um one first time out in a major at the uspga uh, is now one first time out at the open he has won some of the biggest events over there and so he's like he's won the workday championship twice one was down in um concession and he won on his, I think, I believe his third time out in tour. Um, it, I, it's it's just phenomenal what he do, what he's done, and how he has just, um, he's one of these guys who's really annoying in that every time he steps up to a level, he will win. 
um, when he first came on tour, he won within months of starting out. Um, when he went to the majors, he basically won his second one or third one ever. Um, he goes to his first um, open event, which, as we said, and this is where the bearing from Scotland and his shows his adaptability from Scotland comes into play. He wins first time out. And the reason I want to go back into that is because he he made a huge change in his bag um, in the in the gap between Scotland and the Open. He actually changed his uh, seven, eight, nine iron. The, the most frequently used clubs you have in the bag because he found that there was something wrong in terms of strike with the blade he was using and went back to a cavity back. And he managed to figure out what the issue was in Scotland, why he wasn't scoring, came out, rectified it, and then wins. Um, it's just, the guy just seems unflappable, if you ask me. That's, yeah, that's a great word. And I've seen interviews with him and he's, you know, I think one a journalist asked him after his first kind of professional event, like how it went, and he said, "I'm actually surprisingly calm. Like it's not as not not much different to what I'm used to in normal events. And uh, you know, he doesn't care if it's Tiger Woods next in the next bay to him at, on the driving range or Phil Mickelson. He doesn't really care. He's there to. I think he referenced Brooks Kepka a lot in the sense of you know Brooks came to competitions to win, not just to." You know, when you're in your first two or three years of tour, it's sort of like, you know, make your cuts, kind of get your card, and that's what's normal. Uh, and Colin Marikow is not doing that. He's doing quite the opposite, uh, and that's the impressive part. But what impressed me was the putting, because, look, every great player has a weakness or a, a kink in the armour, and putting seemed to be Marikawa's. I think during the PGA Tour last year, he was 150 or something like that on the tour in putting. Mm-hmm. But he was the best putter that this week in the Open, and when he won the USPGA, he was the best putter that week too. And putting on open courses is not exactly easy or something that someone who isn't confident with putting is not exactly the easiest transition. Uh, and that's what impressed me most, the raising the game to that level. And when you pair that putting with, as we already said, the best iron player in the game and probably since Tiger, that's you're going to win tournaments um, nine times out of ten. Uh, and that's the impressive part about him. But look, it's two majors from eight. Where do we set? Like, it's impossible to sort of see what the future holds for this guy because obviously you could look towards the higher end of the scale, the Tiger scale, because he's so young, he seems so unflappable, as you said. But we've also seen the other side of it where, we, you know, like even Rory, who we'll talk to later, who had four at the age of 24, 25, I think, uh, and hasn't won one since. Uh, wh- wh- how do you see that going for Colin? He seems to, to have that maturity to not let it get to him. I don't think he can be compared to Rory. I think he's ahead of Rory in terms of his scale. He's only out of college a year. Like he made his debut on tour in 2019, uh, won on his third event, having lost in the playoff the week before, and he was tied 10th on his, on his debut. So he came straight through the college system. So he was only starting at 22, if you like. He's amassed kind of those five victories in an incredibly short period of time where there actually wasn't even a tour for four months of that. So if you think what he's crammed in since basically end of 2019, it's it's streets ahead of Rory um, in terms of his um, in terms of how competitive he is at, at majors. If you ask me, I like and it, the ease at which it's happening is similar to Rory, to be honest. In that, it, it all feels easy now at the moment. Um, but then it all felt easy to Rory um, when he was when he was 18. The reason I say that is Rory went straight to being a professional at 18 years of age. And that, that's where the, the age difference is, is a, not really comparable. But 
I just don't see what flaps this guy. We did think that about Rory at the time. We're like, this guy is just running downhill here. He's it, it's it's all so easy. And then obviously 2014 happened for Rory. Does Colin end up with it with an event like that? I'm sure he will. That will happen to him. It can't keep going the way the way it's going currently. How, how high is this fella's ceiling? I think you just say it, it's higher than all of our three guys out there really at the moment you have to say I, I think he can get he can get to a level that's above what what's around him whether he gets to that and or or it all becomes very um it becomes less easy i think is a, <laughs> that for, for want of a better phrase it will be interesting to see at the moment as, as i said he's he's one of these fellows who's running downhill and everything is just coming to him and uh, come to me, he's still, he's still working for it. Like he still came under a bit of pressure, obviously, and came from slightly behind to win. But as I said, that ceiling is so high with this guy. The ceiling is definitely at the moment double digit win, major wins, which is oh yeah, yeah, it easily. Is, yeah. But as you definitely. said, that's uh, only been achieved a handful of times. So uh, look, we'll, we'll, we don't want to put pressure on him yet. He's only a young lad. Uh, <laughs> we'll only get better, which is the scary part. Uh, but we all seen, you know, life can sometimes throw up curveballs and I, we don't want to put pressure on that doesn't already exist. Um, great to see Speed back into form. Speed, who has a year ago was really on a downward spiral and looked like there was no real way of getting out at that time. He's back now. We know how much he loves links golf. It really suits his sort of creativity, his, you know, that side of the thinking. He's not your average golfer and links course requires not your average golf. And that is uh, what Speed is fantastic at. Not his, by no means back to his best. Like that 17 18 on Saturday, the bogey bogey finish, very unspeed like. We know how you know how accurate he is with that putter when it's on form. And and then 18 to finish, you know, to shoot four under on Sunday, uh, he would have taken that off on the first tee. So you know, did as well as he probably could with the game at the level it is. Is that fair to say? Uh, I, I, I would have loved to see him power in on Saturday and be right there on Sunday and see if he had that four in him, if four under in him, if he wasn't coming from behind. Um, that was the difference in him going to a playoff at Morikawa. And like we, I know we talk about Morikawa been streets ahead here, but we've got a guy who comes to the fore when he probably gets out of his own head um, in terms of that, the difference in the type of golf that, that links golf requires it requires something different it requires knockdown shots that you would normally never dream of hitting in um uh on a on a standard parkland course it requires a little bit of madness in terms of how you view things or or how or more no more so creativity than madness i think really but he has always been strong around um even even when he wasn't going great he was actually doing doing okay relatively okay when he when he came over and played a bit of links golf um and, and that was commented on that he maybe just gets out of his own way um and stops thinking about infinite numbers of swing thoughts and just gets on with the results like the ball has to finish here is that it doesn't matter how i'm swinging the club the ball just has to land in that spot um and he seems to thrive in it um as i said to two bogeys coming in one was a two foot miss put on on 18 which was just bananas like it was just seemed like a little lapse of concentration and that effect and that proved extremely costly to him um 
in the end, as I said, that would have that would put him to th- those two shots were the difference between him getting into a playoff at Morikawa and and not. Yeah, I think he still has a, a bit to go to get back to his best, but at least he's now seeing the signs that he is getting that he's in the right direction. And oh yeah, I don't definitely. doubt Speed's competitiveness at all. I I think again we'll we'll touch on it later on, uh, but he is, you know, when he he's, he's he'll never let himself go away for too long. As in, he's too competitive. He's too, as you say, he thinks a lot, which is good and can also be bad in the sport of golf uh, I think Speed kind of toes that line a lot uh, but it's fantastic to have him back because you know he, he's great for golf he's great for you know to see up there on leaderboards um, poor Louis uh, Louis 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 unfortunately uh, has another sort of tied top five t- top three result in a major that he was definitely in contention to win uh, it's amazing that he only has one major win isn't it and like I think it's unfair to call him. He's not a choke artist. It's nothing like that. I think he's just... Is he just unfortunate or is that is that too soft? Like, he runs into... Like, he ran into the four guys on, on Sunday all playing very, very well. If you look, the three guys ahead of him were four under on the day. Um, Fratelli was two under. Brooks Kefka, I think, was five under on the day. So, <laughs> you can look at it two ways. Um they had really, really good days versus the stroke average of the field, which they were probably two shots ahead of stroke average. He was two behind. Um, so he didn't perform effectively. Like if he had his four under, he would have been there again in that in that playoff. Um, as as if you match them shot for shot. He it just he just looked tired on, on the last day, just stuff didn't go for him. He was like a little bit despondent, even over good shots. He, like he hit a good shot late on kind of fifteen. Thought it looked terrible. Finished it, finished twenty foot away, and you're like, he just didn't look in a in a good space. Um, probably just fatigue, like leading from start, leading effectively from the start, and and shouldering that. And I'm sure it does play on his mind how many how many top fives he's had. Um, I'm sure it played on Jack Nicholas's how many top fives he had. Um. I suppose the difference being that Jack picked up a, a couple of majors a year as opposed to Louis just one. Um, but I think this is probably one that got away from him more so than anything else. A couple of times he's been played out, certainly in the Masters, he's, he's been played out like by unbelievable golf. Um, he was some good golf from the three ahead of him, certainly from John Ram late on. Um, but he just couldn't get the round started. It's just like he tried to jump started on 11 with the birdie and... No, nah, it just fell flat again on him. And you just got this feeling of a guy who was just fatigued. Well, you think back to the US Open as well, that you know, that wasn't that long ago and you know, he was leading again going to that one. So it's yeah, I I, th- I agree with you in that sense of things. I think a hundred percent the met- mental side of things is and like Louis seems like a very calm guy, but at the end of the day, in the back of your mind it's always gonna be like, you know, if I finish my career with only one major having been in so many positions to win multiple uh, look, a one major is an incredible career, but he could have had three or four easily at this stage as well, which is a real shame. But yeah. look, it, it's going back to St Andrews next year. We all know his history there and how good he is around there. Um, and this is the thing with Louis. He's so consistent that I, f- I fully expect him to be there, thereabouts, uh, you know, in every tournament he nearly enters because uh, his game is so good. But just getting over that line is what separates sometimes the, you know, the, real, the, the best from the really, really good. Exactly. Morikawa finished it out, um, did what he needed to, um, got himself into that two-shot lead with kind of three, four holes to go and, and knew how to close it out. 
with a couple of sticky moments in in kind of thrown in the mix and yeah no one came at him and or no one could get to him i kind of thought ram at the turn when he made kind of three birdies in a row just in the, on the back nine like he has the potential to birdie every hole in and i genuinely thought he was going to do that um he just had that look about him and he he was unfortunate not to to be honest a couple of lip outs then laid on which kind of he was hoping to post a number really that that might frighten um that might frighten morikawa but it just wasn't to be yeah ram is in rich a rich vein of form at the moment um and long may it continue. I want to talk about Bryson, uh, the circus that is Bryson, and everything that are surrounding Bryson. Uh, <laughs> like him or not, I just want to get. I want every time I'm talking to someone who's a golf fan, I want to get their opinion on Bryson because he is such a polarizing figure. Uh, first of all, are you a fan of him or not? I think he's a tremendous golfer. Yeah, I think he's a phenomenal player. Am I a fan of him? Absolutely not. Yeah, I no. think that seems to be the consensus. <laughs> well, like yeah. personally, would like to go for a beer with him is what I kind of is what I'd say. Uh, do, <laughs> do you think he's good for golf? Do I think he's good for golf? Look, every we, he didn't even feature in a major here, and we're, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a conversation about him. Uh, I think he. I've seen some of his stuff on. I wish he would just stop trying to manipulate things in terms of how he's perceived or how he tries to change the narrative on himself as to how people view him. Be that through his YouTube channel now is out and you kind of, he's, he's trying to put himself, he's trying to put himself across as the every man who kind of has his friends hanging around him and stuff as he kind of climbs into his 750 gram Bentley Jeep. And it, it, it does a, uh, you don't there do is, that, David? No, I don't. No, no. no oh, the, um, okay. Sorry. the the podcast world unfortunately doesn't, uh, doesn't <laughs> yeah. pay for such, <laughs> such luxuries. But yeah, I and <laughs> he's. Do you know the? Do, do you have, do you have a few friends who are really really smart but don't have any cop on? Uh, like book smart, not street smart. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's Bryson to me, and Brooks on the other hand. Um, because this is naturally where the conversation goes, is, <laughs> yeah. is, is the exact opposite. Doesn't pretend to be smart, but is playing this 100% better than, than Bryson is because Bryson now looks like he is... Like, who says that about their equipment manufacturer uh, live and then has their equipment manufacturer come back and basically tell them that they're an eight-year-old? Which like, never happens, it, this. The, it's commi- gold, the like. equipment company never normally retaliates because some lads have subtly digged at them, but never obviously to the to, to the degree that Bryson did. But they came out and just ripped them to shreds, which is great to see. It's go- like it's gold. It's like I absolutely love it. And like you get some comments from players like Justin Thomas, who in fairness stood up for uh, Bryson when Matt Fitzpatrick had a go at him previously, saying it wasn't a skill to hit the ball hard and. In fairness, JD came out and said it certainly is a skill to hit. Yeah, to hit a, Maths, to hit I thought Maths Patrick was wrong there myself. Yeah, he was. He was completely wrong. JT stood up for him, but then <laughs> JT's reaction then to the driving thing as as he was when he was asked about it was like, imagine that it's actually hard to swing the club at 135 miles an hour with five degrees aloft. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, it, it kind of like, duh. It it just. That, that's what I mean by him not being, he's smart enough to know that swinging at 135 miles an hour with a five degree driver is going to send the ball very far. He's not smart enough to realize that, that it's going to go badly wrong and you can't blame the equipment. Um, and there to me is the book smart versus the cop on piece. It was like, he has to realize that there are places where this is not going to work. And 
the open just doesn't allow. There's too many variables. There's too many bad kicks, bad bounces that science cannot account for. And the guy who hits it 100, what is he, 171st on the list this year in terms of distance, he's the guy who wins. So Yeah. That was a good, yeah, good advertisement for not hitting the ball really far. But he, like with Bryson, like I think, yeah, I think he's good for the game in the sense that he gets people talking, whether for good reasons or not. People are talking about him and the golf. Um, yeah, like t- t- you said about the Dur moment, it, like in that interview where he said the driver sucks, he's like, you know, out of the rough I couldn't control my wedges, but out of the fairway I could. And you're like, is this your first week playing golf? Like this is obviously, yeah, that's the whole point of fairways. And rough, like that's the, it's a penal thing to be in the rough, uh, yes. and he just it was some of the stuff. And then his apology, where he never said the words "I'm sorry," uh, he just said it was unprofessional and that I shouldn't have done it, which is. And I'm I'm learning all the time. Yeah, yeah. learning all the time, uh, yeah. and I, I'm sure Cobra jumped through hoops for him. I'm sure they have put in painstaking hours because I'm sure he's a nightmare to work with. He he is a nightmare because uh, Kyle Showman, who is the uh, tour manager for Cobra, actually had to caddy for him. Tim Tucker, when he resigned uh, the week, the Wednesday before whatever tournament in the US it was, and he stepped in, and I'd say he just got to got like up close and realized this guy is like an absolute child. Now we're talking about Cobra here. I don't think we. I don't think he'd ever influence me in terms of what I'd be buying as from an equipment perspective because he doesn't use anything that's stock. Do you know this kind of way? It's not like I could go out now and I could buy Colin McHow's bag tomorrow, like from ball to glove to the bag itself to every club in the bag and have it pretty much to his settings and see if it works for me. Um, You can't do that with Bryson's stuff. You can't buy any of his stuff, actually, in fairness. It doesn't exist. So as a, I always wonder about him as a having an equipment sponsor. It it seems like a futile exercise in that you're probably only paying to have your logo on the hat, um, which he actually, does he even have Cobra? I think, no, he has it on, he has it on the bag. That's it. So like the, the returns you're getting from being his, um, equipment sponsor right now are probably minimal if you ask me yeah I think I saw a video on YouTube I think if you got his putter currently in everything that he has including shaft grip and all that I think it's north of $900 for a putter uh, I'd say that's if you could buy it yeah If yeah I think to get and so you know again more like the Bentley can't really put that into the expense sheet uh, you know to make sense so uh, I'll stick with my normal one but yeah, he, yeah look, like, he's he, he's polarizing he is like that driver as bad as it is you cannot buy it in the shop so it doesn't matter how bad it is for basically using a putter as a driver with the loft on it like that's not far off there's less there's a, there's a degree more of loft on his driver than there is on my putter yeah yeah and it's it's incredible look my always question is look i get i get the point of being that far up having a wedge in but like what's wrong with having an eight iron in from the fairway instead of a pitching wedge from the like i i, I get it don't get me wrong and like yeah i, I think he's hoping that it work even if it works five percent of the time he'll win a couple of majors that's what he's hoping i think it's for him he, when he answers that that's it's all about spins he doesn't actually consider his clubs as 
like a standard how far they go. He considers them how they spin and how much they spin. So a six iron has to spin 5,000 revs. His seven iron has to spin six and a half thousand. And whatever distance it goes, then that's the distance it goes because he uses clubs that are all the same shaft, the same length as his seven iron, be that his four iron or his lob wedge, which causes him infinite amount of problems anyway. Um, so yeah, like going back to this, going back to the, the, the Cobra things, like Jesus, why? <laughs> if I was the guys in the R and D department, I'd just be get me away from this guy as soon as possible. I know, but Cobra was never a massive name compared to the likes of TaylorMade and Titleist and Ping, even. And the the people are talking about them again, whether good or bad. But is it worth? Is the juice worth the squeeze juice at this stage? Squeeze, yeah. I don't know if it is. Uh, yeah. But look, he'll continue to be the circus that he will. Um, I want to talk about someone who didn't feature at all, but I, I'm a massive fan of, uh, and it's very frustrating to be a fan of him right now, but it's Rory McIlroy. Um, one of the reasons that I love golf so much was Rory McIlroy. I remember myself and my mates went to Loch Earn Golf Resort in Fermanagh when him and Park Harrington were kind of opening the course. We got to kind of get a picture with him, got our hat signed. Like It was a massive moment in our uh, like teenage lives, and it made us fall in love with golf. Uh, and then to see him go on and have the success he's had uh, was incredible. He became the best player in the world for a couple of years. He's the, the biggest name in golf since Tiger Woods. I think that's fair to say, isn't it, worldwide? I think that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, four majors by, by 24, 25, I think it was. Um, you know, he's won pretty much everything you can win, bar the Masters, obviously, which is kind of haunting him for years to come and, and will continue until he wins it. But he is... Are you, first of all, are you a fan of Rory? Oh, yeah. Definitely, I like can't I like can't wait for the day where this all clicks again. But well, this is the, the this is the debate. Will it click again, David? Because I'm seeing a man who are we sure Rory wants to put in the effort to get back to that level? Well, now I I don't. No one really knows that. Like if you were to <clears throat> if you were to look at the moves he's made, then yes, you would say that he has he hasn't replaced Michael Bannon, but he's taken on Pete Cowan, so it shows an an intent to to sort out whatever the issue is. Um, he's as fit as ever. He looks as, at times like if he didn't give you the glimpses that the things are going well, like if he didn't give you say um, the front nine that, that he gave on day two, not day three, sorry. Um, where he's like four under for the front. And this looks like it's going to be, um, kind of 62, 63 potentially coming in and then he stalls and it turns into like an, a, another two under par uh, round, which which doesn't make any difference to him or just doesn't put him anywhere in contention. Um, you'd be, you that's, it's the hope that kills you with that because there's, there is glimpses of it there from time to time. Uh, does he put in the work? I went down to, um, the Irish Open and kind of sat in on his range session there and he's working as hard as any of them work to be honest within within a reasonable judgment that you can make from from standing 20 yards away from him to see him strike a golf ball is different to everyone else on the range I will say like he is just his natural ability is phenomenal his power is phenomenal up close um it's something that you just need to see in person but like the frustration must be enormous because he he is showing himself that he can that he can score but he's just not finishing things off um 
he, if you were to look at where that where it falls, the issues fall. It's the same as always. It is his it's his wedge game. Um, his driving, yeah, his driving is it's no more or less erratic than anyone else's. Um, it's just he's not capitalizing on it. Like he should be making well in this weather making hay while the sun is shining and when he gets a wedge in his hand and you look at DJ and how he transformed that side of his game to be now in fairness DJ's only won two majors too like you know so he's he's at a level that um he's still above most of the guys that are there bar Brooks in terms of the active playing players that are there in terms of what they've won um it's just the frustration must be enormous. Is he putting in the work? I believe so. Um, is Pete Cowan the person who's going to get that out of him? A no-nonsense guy who... It's not so, It's not a character that traditionally goes down well in Camp McElroy. It's Rory's way. It's Jerry's way in that team. Um, everyone marches to the beat of that drum, and that's great um, that you've got two people who run that side, of, that, that run so Rory McElroy Inc., if you like in that way, but P. Cowan doesn't, um, like P. Cowan doesn't charge those guys. He works off commission on winnings on top fives and top tens. So he's in it for, for Rory to do well here. So no one is more incentivized than the guy he has now taken in. Um, so what, what does that tell you? It's that he's put a good guy a, a very good set of eyes on, on what he's doing at the moment. And he feels that, that it's, this is going to make the difference. And it's made a difference for Gary Woodland when he went into, went in with, with, um, with Pete Cowan, got him to win a major. Um, it has worked with Henrik Stenson, who's been there for God knows how long. Uh, it worked with Brooks Kepka. Like these are all guys who have come through with Pete Cowan in the last five years. Um, yeah, five years it will be. So has he, uh, like, does he have the knowledge to do it? He absolutely has. He's a genius. He has worked at Rory as well with Gulf Ireland. He would have been in as a consultant an awful lot when he was the national, well, he was actually the national coach for, for a number of years and Rory's coming through. So there's good familiarity there. It's just a case. And he did mention something actually that was interesting. Uh this Tokyo thing might be a blessing. This Tokyo thing, the small matter of the Olympics, might be a blessing <laughs> in disguise. Might be a blessing in disguise because he's literally going to be spending twelve hours at the golf course every day. Yeah, I heard him this. say that. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, again. and I don't think, I don't think that was while he was saying in it it in a way that was like, oh, I have to spend twelve hours at the golf course because there's nothing else to do. I was like, maybe that is the block that he's that's he needs to to get these changes in place however subtle or however nuanced they may be but now he's got a bit of time to do it um and then he can take a break and go off and and, and work on it even harder and and come back and be be ready to go i'm not expecting much out of him from the olympics because he seems about as enthusiastic as <laughs> as we are for a nice wet summer really but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah the olympic comments have come up again look at and there's a great article, um, no laying up. If anyone follows them uh, in America, they kind of retweeted today. But it harks back to the comments he made on 2016 Olympics. Like you know, Rory, I, he doesn't feel patriotic because obviously, growing up in Northern Ireland, you know, as a Catholic, then you know you're very much torn between two, you know, between British and Irish. And you know, he said he's never felt loyalty to any flag in particular. Um, 
and you know I have a lot of people in my life who criticize Rory for that in the Olympic side and you know if you've never grown up in that situation you will never fully understand you know what he's talking about so criticizing him for not picking one or the other um back then was I always thought was very very harsh but look we're not here to talk about the, that sense but look yeah um the Rory thing I want to talk about a few things you said um you said that it must be very frustrating and look I'm sure it is but I haven't seen anything that is sh- shouting at me that he is frustrated I'm seeing too many interviews where he's quite calm and saying like you know oh you know I think I'm I'm think I'm close and I think you know it's not far away but I'd almost like where's I want a bit of frustration I want a bit of anger I want I want the same anger that I feel when I'm watching him, in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, cause you want you want Tyrrell Hatton to pop. Yes, out. a little, not fully. I want a little bit of it. Give me so, show me that you're pissed off that you're not playing well. Do you know what I mean? Like, and this is where I question back because it's totally understandable for him not to be motivated. He's a multi, multi, multi millionaire. His kids, kids, kids will have money. He's nearly won everything in the game and if he if he finished playing golf tomorrow he'd have one of the best careers ever you know in, in terms of uh, golfing history it is tough to go out and grind the same way uh, you know someone who hasn't won on the tour still trying to you know kind of get their their foot on the, in, in the door that's totally understandable but like speed had a conversation on a podcast a year ago in the depths of his in in his kind of turmoil and i never doubted for a second that he wasn't turning every over every stone possible to get back to that level i don't have that same feeling with rory yet and it's that's the annoying part to me i could tell the first day of that open after the second hole when he missed that short body put to go two on the two two i knew that it was it was done i knew it because it, that's what he's been like the last year and a half his body language drops his body language is awful absolutely awful and the the grinder in him doesn't exist right now. It's either going to be a 63 or it's going to be, as you said, a 2-under that's going to end up doing nothing. That, like, the missing the birdie put after two, it was never in his mind to be like, you know what, it's okay, let's just get the next one. You know, let's, under the third, that's it. Like, you know, keep grinding. That didn't cross his mind. And again, I have no proof of this, but this is what I'm. This is what I feel like when I'm watching him. It's like, oh, do you know what? I've I missed that birdie put. Oh, I wonder what everyone's thinking about me missing that birdie put. And then it's a bogey in the next or whatever it is. Like it's it's you can tell by his body language when he's done, and that's the that's the most frustrating part because you've already mentioned his natural gifts, which are incredible. Like he's a five foot nine man who bombs the ball as long as DJ at times, and DJ is a athletic specimen of a man at six three, six four, whatever, and. You know, his short game is, like, he's never developed that knockdown wedge shot. Never in his game. And you see it there at the open. Lads hitting little punchy wedges in. And he's, he's Rory's full swing in it as high as he can. And you're like, you're 31 years old now. How have you not developed that? He's missing four foot power putts. He's missing the hole completely. And I get they're tough greens. But what is going on? Like, wh- where is the fight? And I again, this, but I, this is where I hark back. He's got a young a daughter. He's a wife that he obviously loves. He's got a massive house in Orlando. Uh, he's got a very nice lifestyle. Why Why would he want to be spending hours out in the golf course practicing? Sorry, I know this was a, a rant uh, here, David. But, <laughs> I, was, I was letting you go. Sorry, but do you know where like, I'm coming from as a fan? Like It is so frustrating. And, and I, just... I, I do, yeah, I, I, I hear that. Um I will say Rory is a huge, a huge fan of a club break off camera. I will say that like the well, frustration does that. exist. Like he loved, I think so at par five, I think it was 14. And I tell you what, he absolutely ripped. 
is he had an iron off the tee and hit it in the rough and absolutely launched it down the fairway. Now, if, but if it was Tyrrell Hatton, it would have been all over the place. He does, he smashes golf clubs with, with alarming regularity, I have to tell you. But the, the part that you're talking about in terms of like the house, the wife, the kid, the money, all the wins, taking in 50 million a year kind of thing, um, give or take on living very comfortably, that, that is them all. They're all at that. Like everyone in the top 10 that you're talking about, Brooks is doing it, JT is doing it, Jordan, that is what they're all earning. Um, and whether he just has to tap into, the, is it a work ethic thing? And it goes back to what you asked. Is he working hard enough? Um, I think the, the variables that you're saying are, are consistent for them all. I think it comes down to uh, like the ego part for those guys wanting to beat each other, wanting to get more wins, wanting. And I think Roy's ego is big enough that he wants that. Um, and is the amount of a squeeze that he's putting on, is he getting the juice he deserves? I see. I, that's just the part we don't know. If, I think a lot of people confuse his, you know, he, he, that despondent look he gives on the course where it looks like he's given out. I think he, he, there's, there's an underlying huge frustration there. Um, but it's hard to know when that, when that flops from one to the other, uh, from just being, ah, look, life's grand. There's no hassle with it. Going into, I'm going to do something about this because it does seem like he's he's wanted to do he he is going about the the path of doing something about it um and it and it will click and it's just very competitive out there right now as well like it's Jesus it's hard to win a tournament like you look at like geez we'll talk about him but like what Seamus Powers had to go to, to win a tournament like Christ and that's an opposite event and then you look at who's winning on tour and it's you get the odd outlier that pops in, but it's the same guys, the same top fives um, that are that are popping up time after time. And it's just very hard to break through, or to, not to break through, but to break through that little kind of ceiling that's there at the moment for him. He'll do, he will do it. I'm, I, I'm sure he'll do it. He's 30, early 30s. Jesus, he's another 10 years of... He's, He's another six years, I'd say, of, of top, top, top golf, and then it might not be as um, it, it might not be as easy come by for him. Um, but I, I've complete faith that it will. Yeah, look, I I hope so too, and I I do think that in another look, yeah, he what nineteen more years until he qualifies for the senior tour, so he's still got <laughs> plenty plenty of time left to play golf. Um, We're putting him in there already, are we? Yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean. That's how far away. That's how young he is in terms of golf and. Um, he uh, he spends enough time in the gym. He'll be flexible. Come his forties, don't worry. He's not going to be hitting a two hundred yards off the tee. Um, I want to talk about the caddy situation because obviously his caddy, you know, he let JP go a couple. I don't know a couple of years ago now. Um, at the time, he kind of said that he wanted to take more responsibility when it comes to yardages and kind of his plotting his way around the course. Uh, and at the time, that's why kind of Harry Diamond, obviously, he's kind of his best mate, his best man at his wedding, or Rory's best man at his wedding, or vice versa, um, yeah. took took the bag and has been there since. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this because, again, I, I don't necessarily, I don't think it's the best thing for Rory's game. I think... I th- I think Rory needs kind of someone to kind of fight back at him and tell him that this is not a good idea. Sometimes I I I don't think Harry Diamond does that. Um, 
watching the US Open this year, you know, there was a few shots where he was taking on second shots of par fives from 260 yards where, you know, a six iron down the fairway would have left him a nice yardage in. Uh, and I think that's Rory being like, you know, I'm Rory McIlroy, I'm going to try and hit it down to the green. Whereas I think a good, strong caddy would have been like, don't be such an idiot. Here's a six iron, hit it, hit it down the fairway. Um, Harry Diamond doesn't do that. I can't imagine, again, I could be wrong in a sense, but uh, I would love him to switch up a caddy. I would love for the likes of a Billy Forster, uh, who I know is Matthew Fitzpatrick's bag right now, but a a character like that, who is well-respected in the game, that Rory might listen to, because I think there's probably only a few caddies that he will, I think, listen to, um, I think would be massive for his game and plotting his way around the course. Uh, What's your kind of opinions on that? Um... Harry Diamond was pretty strong at Wells Fargo in getting him to win. Yes, his. and yes, and no. But uh, there's other, several other counts where I feel like he, he should have stepped in more. Yeah, like like Harry Diamond doesn't make Rory hook the ball off the first import rush. Like, do you know Rory still has to has to, has to hit two iron solid down the fairway. Rory still has to hit a 99 yard. If Rory has 99 yards to the pin, he has to hit his wedge 99 yards. He doesn't push it or pull it. Like Rory should Rory should know these things and have these things. And I think that I feel Harry Diamond is an easy whipping boy on it because he's the best friend and he is like Harry Diamond is an unbelievable player in yeah, his own right. I heard that. If, there was yeah. a, if all of the caddies were to play together, I guarantee you Harry Diamond would be taking the cash every day of the week. Um, his amateur record is unbelievably good. In fact, for quite a period of time, he was kind of work playing alongside Rory a couple of years. He's a couple of years older. Um, but yeah, I like Rory hits the shots like, and Rory hits dumb shots at times. And, like it wasn't Harry's fault when, when Rory had the two-way miss with the driver. There's very little Harry can do other than try and get him to hit a three-wood, which he had a two-way miss with as well. well and, yeah. But yeah, and do, you, do you feel like there's enough pushback? Do I feel like it's you have to be very delicate in this? Like you never see. There's no real pushback. Like I think people have probably a. a, a uh, a notion around caddies on tour that there's there's a, a like a flat out overrule of what a what a um what a player wants to do um and i think there's a piece with shane and Bo martin uh on the 10th in port rush talking about a shot where it was Shane just trusted him inherently on a yardage to to play, and it was a very, it wasn't like a stock shot at all, and and people kind of think that that's every conversation that a caddy and player have, and it's it really isn't. It's like, give me the number. Normally they'll call like a, a landing spot with a marker in the back, and then it's like yeah, and then it's the player pull the trigger, pull the trigger yeah. because they've so much information. Like the older. Um, the older school of player out there, and I hear a couple of pundits who are ex players say this that they need they think that Rory needs to be like if you want if you use the racehorse analogy, like he needs like a jockey who's going to absolutely beat the backside off him to get him home. If you know Rory McElroy and the way Rory McElroy works, like Rory is the boss, um, 
And how does that work? Like if you've got a guy who doesn't like to be told and he puts somebody who likes to tell on the bag with him, like that's going to create like massive friction. I think he did have a great mix of that with JP um, on the bag because a softly spoken guy with, um, with just incredible caddy knowledge. But um, the, the Harry Diamond thing is, is to me, is, is that's not what Rory's problem lies. As, as, as I always harp back to it, it wasn't him that hit the two iron. A two iron out of bounds on the first and poor rush. Now, having been up there last week, like that's a big miss for a professional golfer if you're aiming at the bunker on the right-hand side. Um, like it's a 70-yard miss from if that's the line that you're taking. Um, and it's, it's an easy one. I just think he's an easy target, and I don't think he should be um, because I think Rory needs to assume responsibility and even come out, not even come out. Well, I suppose you could come out and say, listen, this is on me. This is not on, on Harry. Like Harry is a, does his job and probably does his job well. It's like some players like to like put up, keep, well, what's, what's the phrase? Keep up, put up and shut up. Um, in terms of what they want their caddy to do. Others like them been like Michael Greller, who has to, God, what that fella has to endure <laughs> with time. Jordan speed. And then paying him well someone, though. So I think he's all right. There you go. It's paying him well. Like he's happy to, he's like, I put up with that abuse for, <laughs> yeah, exactly. for of a million quid a year. Um, yeah. I, I think the Harry one, the, I think there's bigger problems in world, the world of Rory McIlroy than, than Harry Diamond. Yeah, I, I I agree that some people it's it is an easy uh, scapegoat in a sense, and I uh, trust me, I think the main thing with, wrong with Roy McIlroy is his head and what he thinks about and how he goes about thinking things. But I think having someone, well, yeah, look, I I I wasn't aware as fully as you are in the sense of like you know it's Rory runs everything, um, and I think he referenced the father as well. Um, Jerry so I didn't know that was as strong as it was but you know having someone there like even on the second hole of the first round where he misses that birdie putt having someone maybe in his ear to be like it's okay it's the second hole of the we've got 70 to go you know what I mean like the, the competition isn't over yet uh, and sometimes I feel like someone there a bit stronger minded maybe just to say to him like you know don't do this like just keep doing this whether that would help or not I don't know but the way it's going like one win in the last I don't know how long it's been or whatever of someone mm-hmm. of that talent it's, it's, it's not good enough uh, you know, no it's not like yeah. Jesus the first person to say it would be Rory when, we, yeah. when you went on that run back in like 2019 and won in Canada and it just looked like he was going to lap the field and he bombed one off the first nearly hold his chip for an eagle and you just like and he just had walking with this pop in his step you just want to see that back so badly it's like I can I can picture it now it's this Rory slump like you can see the shoulders go and the head kind of drops down to the side and it's like he doesn't know where to look and it's you just would rather I know exactly what you're saying you'd rather not see that and see like a bit of anger or frustration or something rather than this kind of resignation of, of what of what his lot is at the moment but um I think I look this year now major wise right off he's he'll have the Ryder Cup and I think that's what he's just going to gear towards and and put in a performance there and we'll enjoy him in, in that 
yeah, look, we'll, we'll leave the Rory because, again, I could talk about it for hours, but I don't want to do that. Um, look, yeah, I hope, and I, I do have faith that it'll come back. It's just how long it will take to get there um, is the question. Uh, but look, another Irish successful story, Seamus Power won at the weekend. Uh, the Barabasol, I think. Uh, it's talk- Barabasol, yeah. yeah. Barabasol, yeah. Um, fanta- look, Seamus Power, I don't know a huge amount about him. Uh, I know that he is uh, obviously a fantastic offer now, PGA Tour winner, uh, joining the list of Irish PGA Tour winners, which is not huge. Um, but just yeah, look at the 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 ceiling has gotten a lot higher for this guy now. Oh, like uh, like amazingly so. He like if you look at who the form guy was coming in, like he was actually listed. Like he he came up. J, like in fairness, whoever was picking it in golf golf uh, golf news weekly was it was JT Poston, uh, Charles Wartzel, and Seamus Power, and and rightly so. Last six weeks, tied ninth, two tied twenties. Top eight, top eight, and now he won. Um, racked up 1.4 million quid this year. Uh, he's up to 69th in the um, in the FedEx Cup. I think he's in the top 150 world rankings now. So for those who don't know him, he's, he's from Waterford. Um, he's 34, uh, has had a stop-start career on the PGA Tour for the last five years, kind of was surviving between Monday qualifiers and the Corn Ferry Tour, um, kind of taking advantage to by and large taking advantage of starts that he was getting on the PGA Tour, earning enough to keep in that one twenty five to one fifty bracket, uh, which was getting him limited starts on the on the tour. And what he was getting was a lot of opposite events. So if when the Open is on or a majors on, there's always a tour event on. It's like less money, but a good chance for guys to win. And as I said, the Barbasol comes up and he is on form and he completely capitalized on it after six unbelievable weeks and he just he's an absolute gent of a guy to speak to has has time for everyone he's based in in carolina and has been on the u.s circuit since he basically went to college over there um uh, he came through the full kind of irish golf system um the monster panels um the irish panels etc and then went over to a place called east tennessee to for his for his college career um and has been basically at it since then grinding away since he since he graduated and oh such a good story like we, it was actually the first story we spoke about on our on our tour rap because it was it was massive it's just a huge event for him to win yeah and at that age being around for so long you know you're definitely going to appreciate your first win compared to someone who you know comes on tour straight away and wins it uh which is the best thing about it uh, and you know absolutely delighted for him and Let's hope his career continues on that kind of upward trajectory now, because I'm sure that confidence that must give you, especially someone in the mid-30s on tour, must be just astronomical. Like, huge. It's just a pity financially that it wasn't a regular tour event. Um, Now, he wins. He still won 650 grand. (laughs) Um, But what he gets is the exemptions. That's massive, yeah. He's into the PGA now. He's into the players. He's a two full two-year exemption on tour. To the extent I was actually thinking that he might go on next week with a bit of form, but he's actually gone and he's taken three weeks off now. That would have never happened had he not won. He would have been on to the next event and to the next event and to the next and would just burn himself out until he got, I suppose, a win or missed a cut. And now he can take three weeks off. He'll probably look at the calendar. He'll cherry pick what he wants to play in over the next two years, effectively. Well, certainly the next 12 months. And he'll have the um, just the freedom to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Like you have to, 
like realized that he was getting calls on Tuesdays before events of PGA tour events, that there was a withdrawal. He was first reserve fly in from North Carolina to wherever he wants and, or from wherever he was. And, um, and getting onto a tour event without really paying half a practice round. And that was what he was existing of. And, and that's no way to do it. Whereas now he can just rock up on a Monday, play the practice rounds, play the pro-hams, um, accrue sponsors, all of the endorsements that come with that, the bonuses from Ping, the bonuses from his other sponsors, um, and the security it gives you. Yeah, the amount of times you hear golfers being like, you know, that that two-year exemption after getting a win, like the 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 relief and the pressure that it relieves is just incredible. Like that you can actually, as you say, plan it out. You don't have, you're not worried. You're not going from, look, they're not really, well, some lads are at that level would be going from paycheck to paycheck and, you know, event to event. Um, obviously, as you said, the last few weeks has really helped the, the bank balance as well uh, for Seamus Power. Uh, but, you know, that two-year exemption is the biggest thing. And as you say, uh, you know, entry into those big tournaments, which, uh, I'm sure as a golfer, you want to test yourself against the best, oh, yeah. and that's Definitely. what you're going to do at that stage. So, um, yeah, like the gr- oh, the grind for him has just been ridiculous. Like I remember he was playing in at the start the Sony Open in Hawaii. So he lives on in on in Carolina, which is couldn't be further away in the US. You could not be further away. Like and he got a call on a Wednesday morning that Jonathan Vegas pulled out, and he had to fly from North Carolina to Hawaii across 13 hours to try and get there for Thursday morning. The first thing he did was actually hit a golf shot in a tour event. So those days are gone. Seamus Power can enjoy it and it's absolutely deserved and everyone is absolutely thrilled for him. Yeah, so the next time, uh, if anyone's listening that complains about their 20-minute car commute uh, <laughs> to, the, to the club and then their, you know, their uh, stiff swing on the first, uh, there you go. Try a 13-hour flight to yeah, Hawaii. His, so. his, car par- his car park swing was in a tour event. Yeah, it was a tour event yeah, after a 13-hour flight. There you go. Uh, but yeah, delighted for him and hopefully yeah, continue to watch his uh, success. Um, David, look, I think that's it. I've kept you long enough at this stage. I, I do appreciate coming on. It's great to chat to someone uh, who loves golf as much as, as we do. Um, and uh, you're very knowledgeable and it was great to have you on but David as I said anyone listening uh, make sure to subscribe uh, I'll tag the guys in the post tomorrow on, uh, when this gets uploaded so go over and follow subscribe to the YouTube channel it's got uh, you're nearly I think you're closing in on a thousand subs David yeah it's something I think we're up around that and it's 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 going it's going great at the moment so it's there's plenty there for you to to watch uh, at the moment so 100% and yeah enjoy the series David I appreciate you coming on thank you very much thanks David cheers